Welcome to the Medical Affairs Professional Society Medical Communications Focus Area Working Group multi-part podcast series. In this third episode, we will continue our discussion on adapting to the virtual conference experience. I am Rafi Dekessian. I'll be the moderator for today's episode. I currently serve as a member of the Medical Communication Focus Area Working Group and am the head of Oncology, Scientific Communication, and Medical Information Departments for Novartis Japan. The views expressed in this recording are those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect on the opinions of MAPS or the companies with which they are affiliated. The presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or regulatory advice. We encourage you to engage in conversations about online or virtual conference experiences with other MAPS members via the community portal on the MAPS website. Simply log in with the email address and password associated with your MAPS account and click on the discussion tab. Then scroll down to medical and scientific communications to post a question or review previous postings. The objectives of today's podcast are to understand how the in-person conference experience has changed and adapted to the virtual environment, discuss styles and formats that uniquely suit the online virtual conference experience, and consider factors for enabling networking and interaction in online virtual conferences. So let's begin. And I'd like to welcome back Andy Saldana from the New York Technology Alliance for joining us today. Welcome, Andy. Hi. Hi, Rafi. Great to be here. Great. So, Andy, last time, uh, last couple of episodes, we talked about online conference planning. We talked about networking, um, different formats and, and styles, and just the realities of the, the digital experience versus the live experience. Uh, one thing I'd like to focus on today is really engagement and how to keep that audience hooked. Um, tell us a little bit about how you think about engagement and you know what are some ways to, to elevate and maintain the attention for virtual attendees. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the engagement around the conference itself when you're in person is is one of the, the main um, benefits of, of attending a conference in person, right? Like uh, there's always a dinner or um, a, a mixer where you're getting to network and, and meet your colleagues um, in, in a more social situation. Uh, there's, you know, swag that you might get if there's an exhibit floor um, or, uh, or tchotchkes that get handed out, um, which engage that, that traffic and that engagement when you're in person. And, and so translating that into a virtual experience is, is always a little, little bit more difficult to accomplish. And, and, but there are many, many different ways to make that happen. Um, during, uh, uh, during the current pandemic, we, we, we've seen a lot of companies that, that have come out into uh, the ecosystem that really focus on exactly that, how to engage your, your attendees at one of these virtual conferences. And it's everything um, from sending coupon codes for them to purchase their own um, imbibements <laughs> during uh, to have prepared for a cocktail hour or a, a perhaps sending a gift box that contains um, uh, not only materials for the conference, but also um, a few of those branded opportunities uh, to, to put in front of your attendees. Um, and it you know, also provides a fun way to, to engage uh, an, an otherwise just informational session, right? And, and so I think it's really interesting to see how different conference organizers are kind of um, uh, approaching that that piece of the uh, of the virtual experience uh, in a unique way. 
um, one of the conferences that um, I, I was uh, uh, attended sent us each a coupon for um, uh, a coupon code for the service called um, uh, Drizzly. And so we each got to order our own bottle of wine. Um, and it was really fantastic because it, you, you felt, you know, they, they told you um, when they would like you to order it, uh, what, it, what hour it was for. And then we all sat on Zoom and, and drank our wine together um, in a virtual cocktail happy hour. So that was really, really fantastic. And it was, you know, it's a unique, simple way for, for some conference organizers to kind of uh, foster that connectivity that you would normally see in an in-person event. Oh, I see that. Yeah, that is really interesting. I think, you know, for on the pharma side, for like industry events where we have vendors and pharma companies interacting together, I could see that having a lot of um, a lot of possibility and potential. And I think more classical medical medical conferences that we'd really have to take a fresh look. You know, there, there's a lot of regulations on what we can provide doctors. And I think probably many people remember being able to provide swag versus, you know, not being able to do it these days. But in a virtual experience, maybe some of those rules are revisited in a way if, if they, um, you know, provide for like something that, doesn't have as much of a tangible like <laughs> like a, a bottle of wine. It's it's brand new area, so it'd be something that uh, I think we we want to take a fresh look at. Um, yeah, when when we meet with like vendors or uh, you know, I know I attend personally like publication planning conferences. Then we see a lot more swag and having you know some of these kind of um, enhancements. Yeah, I could see that helping helping to build engagement and, and attention. Absolutely, and you know, one of the the interesting things, um, especially to to look at speaker appreciation, or if you're able to, um, uh, you know, just thank the speakers for their time. Um, I've seen a lot of organizers uh, make small donations on the speaker's behalf to certain nonprofit organizations, or even run a um, a fundraising campaign that for the conference for the attendees to text to donate um, during the conference. And then that was also another point of engagement that really showed some success, uh, especially during uh, this current uh, situation in the current climate. It, it, you know, if a, a conference partners with a, a local nonprofit or a medical nonprofit that is, is working to, um, uh, during the COVID relief effort, um, you know, it, it is one way to drive some of that attendee engagement towards uh, uh, and also, you know, social good kind of uh, complement to the conference. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, and how often and, you know, how frequent it, do you see this in the technology so sector? Is this something that's happening commonly today? It really depends on the conference. I think the larger the conference, the more uh, the ability, it, there is more of an ability to, to um, bring in a certain software that helps you gamify the experience and to provide that, that sense of um, networking and, and team, team play um, for the overall conference experience. Um, when we're looking, so I see it in two ways, right? Like the really large conference experience that's trying to gamify the entire event. So getting their, their 
their attendees to go through each piece um, of the conference and in the way that they're looking to, um, in the way that they feel uh, the, the attendee experience should be. Um, on the other side, we see a lot of smaller um, uh, conferences that are, you know, 25 people meetings. Um, and that's where I'm seeing a lot more of this, you know, wine box being sent to the house or um, uh, a, wine, mm. a virtual wine tasting happen uh, at the beginning of a, a full day workshop or at the end of the full day workshop, rather. <laughs> the beginning would be a problem, right? <laughs> um, but mm -hmm. at the end of the full day <laughs> workshop to kind of uh, thank everybody for participating in that that full day. So it, it really is a broad range of, of how I'm seeing that, that achieved. And you mentioned uh, gamifying earlier. Um, what is that? How does that relate to engagement? Yeah, absolutely. And so the idea of gamification is really, you know, taking gameplay uh, mechanics and, and putting it into um, translating it into your attendees behavior. So in, in, in encouraging them um, to interact with certain parts of the conference experience in a certain way to either gain points or gain recognition so that um, and and put them into a semi-competitive mode um, so you set up a leaderboard you uh, provide points for you know sharing uh, social media asking questions attending certain events um, uh, registering early, <laughs> that's a big key one, is you're trying to get people to register as soon as possible. So you encourage them by awarding them points in the overall game of, of attending that conference. Um, and then you reward them with uh, prizes, recognition, um, access to VIP speakers. Um, I've seen uh, the rewards kind of range all over the place, but the experiential ones are really, really relevant um, and, and, and highly sought after. So uh, time with the VIP is definitely a great motivator to get people to engage the way that you want, want them to. So like what, what problems does does it solve? Is there something about gamification in particular that helps with hooking people in? Well, I, I think you know, for those that are more competitive in nature, it really provides that momentum and that motivation to keep them engaged throughout the path of the conference. And so, if you're setting up the game the correct way, you're a Gaining, you're gaining that attention from the very beginning, the registration process, all the way through the culmination of the end of the event. Um, and, and so uh, if you put the, the game mechanics in place the right way and you set the rewards up so that it's not just one winner, but uh, either levels of winner or multiple winners, then it's gonna uh, create that, <laughs> that hit of dopamine that keeps people coming back um, and engaging throughout uh, the different touch points of the conference that you want them to attend. And so if, you know, awarding um, points to attend a keynote uh, so that uh, you get more people at the keynote, um, uh, uh, awarding points for people who ask questions and those questions getting called, you know, so that you're, you're encouraging that interaction within, um, within the virtual setting. Um, each of those actions you can gamify and, and really uh, motivate people to participate through that way. Wow, so you're really tapping into, yeah, the, that competitor human nature that wants to, you know, fully complete, um, uh, you know, a kind of a profile or a, 
achieving a particular status to, to help with engagement. Absolutely. Uh, really pain, you know, the, the type A personalities really love this kind of engagement, right? Like they want to be the best <laughs> and, and check all the check marks and make sure that they're completing all the tasks. Um, I, I tend to avoid that kind of competition when I'm in those experience, but even I get motivated when there is a prize that is of, of extreme value, uh, perceived value. And so, for example, um, I attended an event, there was a speaker that I really wanted to get FaceTime with and they held a kind of a private session with that speaker and you had to achieve a certain number of points through the gaming system in order to be invited to that to that uh to that private session and it really encouraged me as someone who really you know is like eh i don't really want to compete with anybody but it, it it motivated me to to gain the points just to give access to that speaker in other words and and i think that that kind of experience um access to experience really helps to motivate people yeah, that sounds incredible. I mean, how has the adoption been when, like, it's, you know, these kinds of game mechanics are pitched to layer onto a, an online event? Do you see generally enthusiasm for that or curiosity or more arm's length? I don't know if that's quite right for our audience. Um, how does that shake out? Yeah, so I think it really depends on on how um, it's all kind of rolled out and how it's communicated over to the audience. You're you're gonna you're gonna see people fall into multiple sections, right? Like people who are really excited and and take advantage of that gameplay. Uh, like I said, they're comp competitive in nature. They really enjoy um, uh, something that keeps them occupied during the conference as well, while still focusing on the conference, uh, if that makes sense. And it, and it helps to decrease the noise and distractions in a way, or, or, or not decrease, but kind of funnel the, the noise and distractions um, so that they're, they're, the other noise and distractions are still related to the conference itself um, and the material that, that you're, you're, you're trying to disseminate. Um, so I think that, that we see that a lot. Uh, there are some attendees that are just reluctant no matter what you do <laughs> um, to participate in mm -hmm. those ways. Um, and, and you know that, that's, that's absolutely fine. But I, I think if you find that right reward system and the right incentives, there's always something available that will motivate even the most reluctant. Believe me, I, I am one of those reluctant people. And, um, you know, whenever I see a really fantastic reward, uh, like that access to the speaker, I'm, I'm there, right? Like, I'm like, okay, let me see what I have to do to get there. And, and I will make it happen. Um, and it just really brings people back to, to the conference itself and then to the, the, um, the materials that you're trying to put in front of them. Great. Well, Andy, I think we're approaching the, the end of our podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to add um, about the online or virtual conference experience? Yeah, I mean, there are a ton of technology tools out on the market that help uh, organizers facilitate a really fantastic um, experience. Uh, I would encourage any event organizer to do a very deep Google search. There's new ones popping up every day, and it really is about researching them, understanding what their objective is and, and really understanding how you would, how that translate for your experience. Um, how does it match for your experience? And um, don't be afraid to put three or four different tools together to make that experience happen. Great, thanks again for joining us, Andy. Absolutely, it was a pleasure. 
So this concludes the third podcast in a series on adapting to the virtual conference experience. Again, I would like to thank our guest, Andy Saldana from the New York Technology Alliance for joining us on this thought-provoking discussion. If you are a MAPS member, thank you for your support of MAPS. If you're not yet a MAPS member and would like to access additional resources in this area, please visit the MAPS website to explore joining today at medicalaffairs.org forward slash membership. This concludes the podcast. Thank you for listening.